Many are called, but few are chosen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, we have that problem in life as Catholics as trying to decide what God wants us to do. Well, in the gospel it says to pray and fast. Now that's not popular at all. They may say a few prayers, but fasting is seen to be people sort of slackered on that. So then the problem comes along that if we don't pray and fast, we don't get the grace necessary we do to live a devout life. Now what Jesus is calling us to in the gospel today is the devout life. Well, I said, well, that, is that just for special people? No, that's for every Christian. So through the centuries, uh, since the apostolic church, seems like the people have always found ways to, uh, you know, do the minimal of that. Except for a handful. And of course, I could be wrong. Maybe there's more than just a handful doing that. But I remember when I was coming up, uh, they said, well, do the morning offering and do your night prayers and get the Mass on Sunday and Holy Days, and you're going to be in good shape. Well, I no longer believe that. Because that's not enough to keep you on the track to the heavenly kingdom. Jesus said this, you, when you've done everything, you've done nothing. Well, that's sort of a scourging, too, because many of us are trying to do the best we can, and then we're thinking, well, our Lord is telling us when we've done everything, we've done nothing. Well, he's not exactly saying you've done nothing. What he's encouraging to do is for you to do more. So uh, on top of this consideration, we have the notion of vocations. And in the church, <clears throat> we recognize certain vocations, of course, the priesthood, diaconate, minor orders. Uh, we recognize marriage. Uh, we recognize... Uh, called to service in the church. But then the individual has to uh, determine for himself exactly which area he's being called to. So he needs the grace of God to help him do that. Sometimes it's plain to us. Now, all these vocations are demanding and all of them are, unfortunately, in our time, not easy to do. And they never worried it to do. And many are failing in their vocation. The most popular, I think, is marriage. And... Uh, the problem that I hear people telling me is, where do you find a decent partner? Well, in the old days, we just looked around the church or our 
or somebody in the family met a girl and introduced us to her, and she was a good Catholic. And uh, so we sort of, if we liked her, we'd marry her. It's not working too well today. So when I was in the uh, parish, I used to give all sorts of uh, instruments, psychological instruments to the people coming in to get married. And then I would give them, Bishop required us to do 10 sessions of uh, counseling them about marriage. The best I know, most of those marriages were okay. Now, let's tell you what we expect about marriage. We expect you to sanctify your partner. Some of you can't even sanctify yourselves. You think, well, marriage will take care of the problem. It will not. So I remember in the parish, there were always those few women bringing their children to liturgy and feast days and, and holidays, but daddy wasn't with them. That's not part of the bargain. You're, they thought, no, no, that's part of the bargain. It, it takes a, a husband and a wife to raise children and to set a good example of prayer and discipline in the home. So then let's talk about the priesthood. <clears throat> The uh, church has definite programs. And there's religious priests and there's diocesan priests. And all of them are educated for a long time and come out with one or two or more degrees. And amongst that is counseling, liturgy, preaching. Uh, where they fail down is a forget about their own personal prayer life. So when the priest is he's doing all the things about his job, but he's not living a, a, a disciplined life of prayer. So he's bound to have problems. The marriage where there's not a disciplined life of prayer is bound to be problems. So, vocations are a call, vocatio means in Latin, a call from God. So, you older parents, if you have children, you have to talk to them about this. And make sure they're just not looking at Hollywood and decide that's the way it's going to be. It's not going to be that way. Every vocation is demanding. Now, putting on top of that, the difficulties of dealing with the economy, the difficulties of having a career so you can make a decent living, which is required for you if you're going to get married. I always ask the couple, yeah, I always ask the gentleman, well, do you have a job? Can you, make, can you support a family? Because certainly within a year, they're going to have little ones with them. Then they need to be taken care of. Not only that, they need to be prayed with and taught the religion and gotten back and forth to church and became practicing Catholics. I think we've gotten too lackadaisical. So the gospel said today all these people were called. 
And then, of course, another test is many are called but few are chosen. But I think if you are baptized and chrismated, you're among the chosen. Some people, they miss their vocation. Some people put it off and it never comes. Some people are so selfish they destroy their vocation. Some people don't live a sacramental life. Some people don't marry a Catholic. Or maybe they want a poor Catholic. That's not actually uh, practicing the faith. I want to tell you something. If you don't prayerfully choose your vocation, you young people, uh, you miss out a lot. The vocation that you choose with God's grace is going to make you the happiest person. It may not be what you decided it was going to be. It may turn out another way. But God will bless you even in a difficult vocation. So I've met uh, in England a nun. And she was from uh, Bangladesh. And she was a British nun and I said, what are you doing in Bangladesh? She said, I said, there's a war going on there. It's back in the 80s, you know. And uh, she said, I don't worry about the war. She says, I just take care of my acre. Now, we have a habit of worrying about everything else except our acre. We have a habit of worrying about other people's business have it happen of watching things on television to cause trouble for us. And we have a habit of not spending a lot of time with God about our vocation. So we get in trouble. So I, from the parish life, I learned that uh, we had some large families there. And then those people with these large families, they were the happiest. And they were very good together. And the priest is the happiest who's in his parish and he's doing everything and he's getting the, and people are corresponding well to him. Not worrying about his next vacation or something. Religious are the happiest if they're following the dictates of the rule and their founder so that they know they're doing the right thing. So, many are called, but few are chosen. The ones who are chosen, it's not just because they have a beautiful vocation, it's because they know how to cooperate with that vocation. Without that vocation, they're not going to be happy. And if they choose goals that are outside the possibility of their vocation, they're not going to be happy. In my Christmas card I sent out, one of the unfortunate things of life today is 
everybody's worried about the economy and money. Look, you can have the money that God wants you to have, and he will not let you be in need. You may have to work hard, but you know God is going to take care of you if you do his will. And if a couple cooperates together, and the priest prays, and his people see his work, and they support him. They like those things, too. So first of all, when you pray, rejoice because God is paying attention to you. Secondly, he has a plan just for you. That's why he made you and put you in the world. Thirdly, if you adore him and worship him, love him, no matter how difficult your life is, he is with you. So I read yesterday in a book that uh, uh, about the prayer life. And some people struggle with the prayer life. And in this book, the author said, well, that's what God wants. He wants you to struggle. He likes you to be struggling. He likes you to be working hard for him. Now we are in the Christmas season, and the Christmas is upon us. And we're all getting ready. We're decorating. We're planning special foods and meals. And we'll be together. And so if we're not together, probably somebody will invite us to be with them. Because this is a family matter. Christmas. The center of it is the family, the holy family. A baby, a mother, and a father, St. Joseph. St. Joseph was sort of the model of a modern father. He was a carpenter. Apparently he was on the road going up to Bethlehem, maybe to get to the house where his family was of origin, and uh, he was uh, either there in Nazareth, they were from the one or the other, but that's where they were going. Jesus was certainly from Nazareth. He was born there, he went there to live after he was born in Bethlehem, and uh, it wasn't easy because he couldn't even find a place to stay. He probably didn't have too much money, and when the baby was born, they were in a cave, and they had to light a fire. That is not a, a picture of prosperity. What makes it a wonderful picture is the love that was between those two, three people, our Lord, our Blessed Lady, and St. Joseph. They knew it was tough. They knew they had a treasure. The Son of God was their baby. They had, knew that they had no one to depend upon except themselves and maybe some of the extended family. They were overjoyed. God even put a star in the sky to tell them they were special. Everyone who follows his God-given vocation in a prayerful life is special. And to those people at this season come special gifts. 
gifts of having the Catholic faith, gifts of having people that appreciate them and love them. But above all, the gift on Christmas evening or Christmas weekend this year, they can go to the church and go to confession. They can receive our Lord, body, blood, soul, divinity, in the Holy Eucharist. The infant child is within their heart. That's even better than a stable in Bethlehem. That's even better than a mansion in Malibu. That is the greatest gift. The birth of Christ in your heart, and the heart is stable. The holiness of God comes to dwell. And his dwelling in you is the greatest gift you can have. But that only comes to those who really pray. So this year, I hope you get a wonderful Christmas gift. The realization of the living plant of God in your heart. And I hope you realize how lucky you are in coming to the Holy Table to receive the Holy Eucharist, who started out in this world as a newborn infant, and now is a glorified God-man in the heavenly kingdom, and he comes to be with you. That is wonderful. So Christmas, we contemplate a wondrous mystery. Christ God, both a God and man, who comes among us to dwell with us, not from afar, but intimately in our heart, and gives us that body that was born of the baby, uh, the virgin, the baby, in Holy Communion. So you will say this Christmas, I live now a lot, I, but Christ lives in me. He accompanies me. He is my companion. He is the one who loves me. And I should rejoice that I should have such a love affair with God that the Holy Trinity itself comes to make life in us by feeding on the body and blood of his beloved Son, the infant that was born in the Virgin Mary, was born in a cave, uh, who died on the cross for us, who gave us those two words, come follow me, who taught us to live a prayerful life, and who says to us, in all these things, you will find salvation and joy. For you're not ordinary. You're a son or daughter of God, and you do not live alone. God is with you. And many people on the earth rejoice there are these beautiful Christians around. Others, they do not because they do not know what love is. Love is belonging. And even though you lay dying, belong to God. Even if you're a bed of pain, you belong to God. Even if you're alone this Christmas, you belong to God. I think... One of the most important things that the church has in the Christmas pageantry is the stable. 
And I think that's a family scene. And you should go there to that stable and pray because you're one of the family and you rejoice in the light and love and God will give to you because you started in that family when you were baptized and you've grown it all these years. And eventually, you'll have a glorious kingdom in heaven of your own, a beautiful home, in the light of Christ. So in all the prayers of the Eastern Church, we say, we pray for the light of Christ and to see his face. We see his face in the birth of the infant. We see his light in the holy sacraments. When we get to heaven, we'll see both. Say, what am I going to see God when I'm in heaven? You will. You say your glorious Lord Jesus Christ, the one who was incarnated. And you'll feel joy and peace and love in your heart. And it'll be a great banquet. And that's the banquet we celebrate at Christmas time. The birth of the Savior who gives us all things necessary for eternal happiness. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen.